Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today. This is part two of the message that I'm entitling Kindness of Jacob, Seven Ways That Jacob Was Kind to Esau. Somebody said that kindness is a passport that opens doors and fashions friends. It softens hearts and it molds relationships that can last lifetimes. You know, this past weekend, I had the opportunity of going back to a church where I served as the associate pastor when I was just a young man. 35 years, that church is now celebrating their existence. When my wife and I went there, that church was only about six months old. And we were there almost eight years serving there uh, with that wonderful congregation. And, uh, you know, we've been here in Chesapeake for 26 years. And to go back to that church in Concord, Virginia, uh, was a wonderful trip. And uh, I saw people that I hadn't seen for 26 years. And what a joy it was to see them. And I remember the kindness of that congregation to us and how they reached out to us. And uh, when my wife and I first got married, we were married in, in July of 1989. Two weeks after we were married, we joined that church and went on staff on that church after I graduated from seminary. And I just had a wonderful experience. Three of our children were born while we were serving in that church. And then we moved to the Hampton Roads area. God bless us with an additional two more children. And uh, my, oh my, we were just blessed by the kindness of that congregation. They were very patient very tolerant, putting up with a lot of foolishness and a lot of my nonsense as a young minister. I'm eternally indebted to the congregation of Thomas Terrace Baptist Church in Concord, Virginia, and their pastor who's been serving there for 35 years, Pastor Mark Grooms. So uh, we experienced the kindness of that congregation. Jacob and Esau had a major conflict. They were born into conflict. We learned yesterday that kindness will smooth the path of a strained relationship. Jacob and Esau have been separated for 20 years. Now they're coming back together, and Jacob knows that uh, this is not going to be an easy reunion. This could be a difficult time. And he knows that his dad is uh, right at the verge of death. We record that Jacob's dad dies in chapter 35. We're in chapter 32. But we discover here that these two guys, these twins, are coming back together. Uh, so Jacob does something. He smooths the path of this strained relationship, and he prepares for this meeting with his brother. And he knows that he owns some of the major reason for this conflict. Uh, so we learn that smoothing of that relationship will be offered by kindness. Number two, kindness opens doors that appears to be closed. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 32, verse number six. Now, Jacob sends out messengers, and he sends out gifts to his brother Esau. And when the messengers come back to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau. Now he's coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. Well, it appears the message of kindness works to a certain degree, because now Esau is coming to meet Jacob. Uh, but Jacob obviously is concerned, because the message comes back that there are 400 men, 400 men coming with Esau. Now, the text doesn't say 400 men, their wives, and their children, and their livestock. It mentions only the men, which can only mean one thing. These men are part of Esau's army. 
Uh, So naturally, Jacob assumes they're coming not to meet, but to fight. We learn from Jacob that kindness can open up closed doors, but it might open up in untreated and unhealed wounds. Look what Jacob does. As we look at the text, we discover from verses 13 to 16 of Genesis chapter 32 that Jacob sends gifts. He sends possessions to present to his brother Esau. Here's a list of what he sent. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 female camels and their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. Now he divides them into herds, and he assigned each to a different servant. And then he told the servants, go ahead of me with the animals, but keep some distance between the herds. Now, I know you probably didn't count up all those numbers, but there's 500 animals that Jacob is presenting to Esau. I guess it's kind of like a peace offering. And verse number 20 tells us that he did this, the ESV version says, to appease or to pacify his brother. Now, another word for the word appease is the word atonement. What is Jacob doing? Jacob is providing an atonement to his brother Esau. And he's not just dumping 580 animals at one time. He's sending them to him. It says that he divided up the animals into herds and assigned each to different servants. And then he told his servants, go ahead with the animals, but keep some distance. And so they would present certain parts of the gift. There's a distance between the next gift. And then it would present the other parts of the gift. This was done to appease Esau. This was done so Esau would see that Jacob is atoning for his part of the, the wrongness in the broken relationship. It's amazing what this will do. Kindness opens up doors that appear to be closed. This is the third point that we see. First of all, it smooths off that path to reconciliation. And number two, we discover that the kindness here that is shown by Jacob is actually a kindness that is going to open up the door that appears to be closed. It's almost like he's offering a peace offering. But number three, we learn that kindness, sometimes it has to be guarded. Now, Jacob is fearful, so he makes a quick move to prepare himself. He knows that even though these gifts, all of that livestock, is intended to appease his brother, he also knows that it could just the opposite. You know, I've discovered that some people don't know how to receive kindness. An act of kindness to them is an act of manipulation. So Esau is receiving these gifts. Jacob is fearful. And so he wants to prepare himself just in case things go sideways. So he follows a common military strategy, divide and conquer, right? So he divides his army into two parts. He moves them out in two different directions. And the reason that he does this is that if if one part is attacked by Esau, the other part can escape or the other part can offer help. Genesis 32, verse number seven, it says that in great fear, and distress. Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. You know, kindness is a combination of mercy and grace in action, and not everybody's ready to receive it. I think about how Christ walked on this earth, 
and he was nothing but gracious and merciful. I mean, all they did was go around and heal people. All they did was, was go around and forgive people of their sins. If you were blind, he would restore your sight. If you were lame, he would help you to walk again. If you had leprosy, he'd bring healing. If you were blind, he'd allow you to see. But kindness must be sometimes guarded. And, and I, I mean that by the sense of using wisdom. It's the same sense that we would use in preparing a will. We don't just kindly bless our children with great wealth, right? We wait. We wait until they're old enough and mature enough to receive our generosity so that it's not squandered, right? And if you have uh, somebody that you want to leave some money with and, and you're not really sure they're going to uh, use that inheritance wisely, you can put some protections on it, right? Uh, you can put it in a trust and you can say it will only be used to further your education or it will only be used as a down payment for a house. There's some things that you can do so that your kindness, your generosity won't be squandered. So kindness sometimes has to be guarded. And I'm thinking about broken relationships within a husband and a wife. Now, we're always to be kind to one another. But that doesn't mean we become a doormat. God never expects us to live in an abusive relationship uh, in the name of kindness, right? Uh, no, if you're in an abusive relationship, you need to get out and you need to get the help that you need. You don't say, well, I'm just going to be kind to my spouse and, and hope that it all works out. No, no. if you are in danger, uh, emotionally or spiritually or physical danger, uh, you need to get out of that dangerous relationship. Don't in the name of kindness say, well, I'm going to try to win them over. Uh, some people don't know how to respond to kindness. I guess you could take a, a phrase that Ronald Reagan uh, made famous, right? He said, we must trust, but verify. There has to be a verification that Esau is going to receive this kindness. Jacob's not sure how it's going to go down. I mean, he's, he doesn't have full insight as to how his brother's going to receive this. He hadn't seen his brother for 20 years. He really has no idea how his brother will respond. He wants to reconcile this relationship. And he, so he, he has this kindness to smooth off that broken relationship. He knows that this kind act will open up some doors. But he realizes that his kindness must be guarded. There's a fourth point that we see in the kindness of Jacob. We just see that Jacob prayed that his kindness would be appropriately received. Let's look at verses 9 through 12. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and to your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I'm unworthy of all the kindness and all the faithfulness that you have shown your servant. I had only a staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid that he'll come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper, and I'll make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Pray as you're kind to somebody, that that kindness will be appropriately received. That's exactly what Jacob does. We see him praying to God in his four parts of this prayer. Let me break it down to you quickly, okay? Number one, when we pray, 
we are reminding God of what he has said. Look what Jacob says. He says, you said to me, go back to your country and to your relatives. Now, this is a covenant. Now, as I think about that, what I just said, God speaks, right? Lots of times, people say, well, God told me to do such and such. I'm always a little bit leery of that. And I think you've got to be very careful to say when God speaks and when he doesn't speak. Make sure that when God speaks, that he really is speaking to you, right? And it's not just your emotions, not just your desires that is driving you in a particular direction. I had a man come to me one time, this was many years ago, and he sat down in my office and, and he and his wife were going through some marriage conflict. And after I talked to him, I discovered why they had a major conflict within their marriage. He said, well, uh, the reason we have this conflict is because God told me I need to leave my wife. And he began to explain how we came up with this understanding of God speaking to him. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, God told me to leave my wife and to marry this other woman. And apparently there was a, a new secretary that was hired uh, at the place that he, he works, and she was young and, and very attractive, and they were attracted to one another. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, it's God's will for him to leave his wife and to marry this young, blonde, blue-eyed uh, babe, right? And as I'm listening to this story, I said, I can't believe this guy has the audacity to say that God told him to do this. And I'm, I'm like flabbergasted. I'm trying to figure out what in the world am I going to say to this guy, right? Uh, because God allegedly spoke to him. Uh, so after thinking for just a few minutes, I says, you know what? There is a Greek word for what you're experiencing. And I said, you probably have never heard this Greek word, right? Uh, I am not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I know a little Greek to be dangerous, right? And I, and I says, when you have told me that God speaks and has told you to leave your wife and told you to go marry this other woman. The Greek word that comes to mind is this word hogwash, right? That's what it is. God didn't speak to you. You were driven by the lust of the flesh. Don't blame God for the fact that you are deviating and very far from him. You know, sometimes we say God speaks, and it's and it's nothing more than we've been going without sleep, or we've had uh, wrestled and tossed and fro and, and ate too much pepperoni pizza before we went to bed and had a crazy dream, right? Be careful when you say God speaks. In the Old Testament, if you were a prophet and claimed that God said something that God didn't say, or you claimed something that didn't come to true, they stoned you to death. So when Jacob is praying, he is saying, I'm going to go back to my country because God, my father, Abraham, God of the father, Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, quote, go back to your country, back to your relatives, and I will make you prosper. That's what he is doing. He is praying. Saying, God, you're sending me back to my relatives. I want to work things out. I'm praying that my kindness to my brother Esau will be well received. Number two part of the prayer, God prospers. I will make you prosper. You know, I'm unworthy of all the kindness, of all the faithfulness that God has shown me. Jacob says the same thing. Jacob says, I came only with my staff. That's why we know Jacob is talking about the kindness of God, not the kindness of Laban. He's saying, God is the one that prospered me, not Uncle Laban. He says, I only had a staff when I crossed the Jordan, but now I've become two camps. Remember where your prosperity comes from. It's not your own strength. It's not your own connections. You are prospered because God in his kindness and his faithfulness has allowed you to be prosperous. Number three, 
God saves. Jacob cries out, save me, verse number 11. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid he's going to come and he's going to attack me. And he's also going to attack the mothers of my children. One time, my wife and I were driving back. Uh, We were driving back from Massachusetts, going back to Lynchburg, Virginia. And we were in Charlottesville, and and it began to snow. And and I had my mother-in-law's and my father-in-law's brand new Toyota Camry. The car was only a couple weeks old, and uh, they knew we were taking a trip to Massachusetts, and they said, listen, you're driving an old jalopy, uh, and, and, and my father-in-law says, I don't want you carrying my daughter up there in a car that's probably going to break down on you. And so he said, you take my car uh, on this trip to Massachusetts. And so uh, we're driving home, uh, and we're just outside of Charlottesville on 29. Now, you probably been on that road. It's up and down and all over the place, kind of a curvy road, hilly road. And this particular uh, night, it was snowing. The road is, is snow-covered, and you know it had rain prior to that, so uh, underneath the snow was a sheet of ice uh, that you couldn't see because the, the, snow, the snow covered it over. Well, we're cruising along, and all of a sudden, that brand-new Toyota Camry begins to spin out of control, spinning round and round and round, and I just cried out, God, save us, right? I, I didn't know what else to pray. It was a short prayer. I said, God, protect us. God, save us, right? And once you know that car landed on the side of the uh, of the road, uh, just off the road, and and we couldn't get back up on the road, and and so I got out of the car to kind of look around and and take inventory as to what happened to us. And another guy stopped to check on us and make sure that we were okay. And I was crying out to the Lord. And then I saw that I could take the car and and go down the ravine and come up the other side. That was the only way I was going to get back on the highway. My wife thought I was a nut, uh, but I said, you know what? I'm going to pray. And that's what we did. We drove the car down the ravine, came up the other side, and continued on our journey. Well, I got to the closest gas station to look at the car under the light. And, you know, there wasn't a scratch on that car. God did save us. There wasn't a scratch on us. God protected us. So Jacob cries, God saves me. He says, I pray that I be saved from the hand of my brother Esau. There's a fourth part of that prayer. So first part is God speaks. Second part is God prospers. Third part is God saves. Number three, God promises. Look what Jacob says, verse number 12. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper. I'll make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. What is Jacob doing? Jacob's saying, God, I want to remind you of a promise that you made. And not that God was going to forget about it. I think as we pray, oftentimes we're reminding ourselves of the promises that God has made. Jacob is crying out to the Lord and says, now listen, uh, you've got to protect me from my brother Esau because you've promised that my descendants are going to be like the sand of the sea, which can't be counted. I know the Lord's going to protect me because he's made me this promise. You know, when we think about kindness, there's a fifth point I got to share here. Kindness is a gift given generously. I want to go back to Genesis 32 and look at verse number 13. It says he spent the night there, that Jacob spent the night there, in which he had him selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 lambs, 30 female camels in their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servant, each herd by itself. And he said to the servants, go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. And we see that kindness here 
is a generous gift. Somebody said this, and it's so true. Uh, Kindness that costs little is probably worth little. You think about a kind gesture. Hey, how you doing, right? I walked down the boulevard of the prison. I walked through uh, the streets, and I walked through shopping centers, and and I'll see somebody, and and if their eyes meet mine, say, hey, how you doing? Good to see you, man. That's a kindness that costs very little. It's not probably worth a whole lot. Uh, Jacob wasn't saying to his brother, hey, how you doing, Esau? Long time no see. No, he is actually giving him a generous gift. Jacob needs to show that, that he's not coming to demand anything and that he's not coming to his brother uh, with any other motive other than wanting to be reconciled. Jacob sends all these animals ahead and meets with Esau. And this gift from Jacob is a gift that was an expensive gift. Esau receives this gift, and he slowly starts to cool down. And then another group arrives, another gift. But Jacob is not in the company of either. And then there's a third gift, but there's still no Jacob. This is a brilliant strategy. If Esau was planning to ambush, he could no longer hide with these animals bleeding in the background, right? If Esau had hired mercenaries uh, who were were going to uh, attack, then they're going to have to relax because these gifts are ensuring a payment. Now, artfully, Jacob's own herdsmen are now mixing in with Esau's men. Verse 20 contains a lot of atonement language, uh, this appeasement that is taking place. Jacob is being kind and being generous, and this gift is intended to, to reconcile this broken relationship. And Jacob wants to see Esau's face, but he's too ashamed to look his brother in his eye. And he'll bow down his head in shame. And and the hope is that his brother uh, might lift up his head and see his face. That's the literal meaning for the word, except the verse number 20 means to lift up his face. And Jacob is praying that as his brother Esau receives these gifts, that his brother would say, now listen, look up your face. You know, as I look at this, what an amazing opportunity God has given to us to share the gospel wherever we go. Kindness, number six, also soothes anger. The Bible says a kind answer turns away the wrath. And so we learn from Genesis chapter 20, verse number 19, it says that he instructed the second and the third and all the herds to come. And they were brought before Esau. And Esau is being pacified by these gifts. There's one final point that I've got to share Kindness is really humility in action. We see that Jacob's gifts go ahead of him, but he himself spends the night in the camp. And so there Jacob in this camp is at uh, Peniel, saying it is because I saw God face to face, and yet I was, my life was spared. Now, I wish I had the time, but I'm out of time because that's the, the wrestling that Jacob has with the angel. And as he's wrestling with this angel, he is experiencing the humility of meeting God face to face. Jacob's hip was touched. Now, Jacob could have been killed because that angel was a manifestation of God taking on the form of an angel. But God in his kindness says, I'm going to just touch your hip 
Jacob, and you're no longer going to be called supplanter. Now you're going to be called Israel. Uh, You're having a whole change of your identity because you have wrestled with God. You have seen God, and you've been humbled. Uh, Maybe today uh, you need to look at your life and say, man, I I need to walk in humility. I need to get over this pride. Uh, I need to to make the first move in bringing about a reconciliation of a broken relationship. You know, pride, it will keep us from being reconciled with other people. Uh, Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm going to wait for them to make the first move. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe God wants you to make the first move? You to go on a high road and say, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to go to that person. It takes a great act of humility to go to somebody that has been at a point where you've been torn apart from one another. Well, my time is up. Thank you so much for joining me today. Lord, those listening today, I pray that they will be kind one to another. This is a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, that we are to be kind to one another as Christ has been kind to us. Fill us with your kindness overflowing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that the message today has been a blessing to you. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.